tune so you guys don't have to mess with it go if you don't mind go to get some post-it notes or you could go to the regular office that might be open well they're in the drawer aren't they oh there were i said it's Okay, silent night. Okay, and the next verse is Son of. Hold on. Okay, and then the next one is Wonder Star. Yes. Okay, girls, it's one, three, and four on Silent Night. One, three, and four on Silent Night.
that this morning say amen amen we are glad to have all of you glad to be together to worship the lord this morning and to praise him for who he is amen uh, as we bow our heads this morning i want to share with you some information that uh, maybe you're not aware of or some of it you are but maybe not the details but tomorrow from 10 to 12 there'll be a visitation here in camden for ray murphy the father of Rhonda cottingham so that's yolanda's husband Let's pray for them. I'm going to have a brief part of that service. And then uh, his pastor is Barry Clardy from Princeton Pike Church of God. He'll be coming up here to preach that. And then uh, a little later in the morning, a little later in the afternoon, at 1.30, there's going to be a family private service for Gail Otherson. And at 2.30, anyone that would like to meet at Mount Hill Cemetery can meet us there uh, as we have a brief graveside. So pray for these families of lost loved ones. I want to ask you to pray for a pastor friend of ours named Loran Livingston. He is a church, Assembly Church of God pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he is the uncle of my niece's husband, if you can put that together. We did their wedding together and we got to meet. And here's a small world connection that Loran Livingston said, I've been to Camden, Ohio, and I have preached at back then I believe it's called he said the Camden Church of God with Vernon Hornsby was the pastor so some of you folks know exactly who I'm talking about but uh, he's battling COVID and is uh, really having a breathing problem so pray for them okay we've got a number of things going on in the life of the church a lot of folks had some folks back today that have been sick and we've got new folks that are sick so just pray for everybody okay would you bow your heads Father, in, the, in this moment, we come to you today to thank, to thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity just to open the Bible and to be reminded of the promises that you have for us. So, Lord, we love you today. We praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, why don't you just uh, look at somebody and say welcome. Will you do that? Can you do that? Good to have all of you today. Amen. All right, let's keep on singing. Silent. 
these Christmas songs are very high, so I transposed them, but I'm not sure I got it in the right key for you, Gracie. But anyway, here we go. I think I got it right now.
over the next four Sundays, you can go ahead and be seated. Over the next few Sundays, we're going to continue our season of Advent. And this morning, it's my blessing to present to you uh, Corey and Mildred Farnsworth and their family, their new family to our church. And they're going to come and continue to lead us in this time of worship. Nathan, make sure blue is hot for us, okay? Thank you. One of the hallmarks of the Christmas story is when the angels appear to the shepherds and proclaim peace on earth. Found in Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Jesus brought about peace in the most unexpected ways when he arrived. Jews, particularly the Zealots, wanted a rebellion. They wanted their savior to overturn the oppressive rule of the Romans and bring about peace in a violent way. But Jesus had something different in mind. Jesus brings us peace in a number of ways. First, he gives us inner peace. Because of his work on the cross, we have a chance to receive salvation and be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. This grants us an inner peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let you be afraid. Not only do we have the peace that comes from our assurance of salvation, but we also have the peace of mind, knowing God will heal this broken world and will kill, come again. Second, we have peace with others. We put aside our differences, especially with other believers, because we belong to the same family. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We have the same purpose, to let others know about the peace of Christ. The Hebrew word for peace, shalom, goes far beyond not fighting with others or peace as we know it. The peace of God allows us to look at others through heaven's eyes and help guide the world to see God's here and not yet here kingdom. Peace from God, biblical peace, allows us to trust in God's promises through restful faith despite the dark, scary world around us. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We now light the candle of peace. Let's pray. Dear Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus, in a day that seems to be unraveled at the seams, it's your peace that we all need is eternal and lasting. May our Christmas schedules be filled with a peace that comes from nothing less than your grace. Happy birthday, Lord. Thank you for coming into the world to redeem us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I want you to take your Bible, if you have it, 
you need a copy, there's a red one in front of you. And let's all open it and join together in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, you feel free to take that with you, okay? Are you glad to be in the house of God this morning? We had a good service this morning at 8.30, and we appreciate you uh, joining us. And for all those that are joining with us online, and I don't know who's watching today, maybe thousands and thousands. Maybe somebody in another country like uh, Hazard, Kentucky might be tuning in today. But uh, we are glad to be worshiping together. Years ago, I was uh, doing a service at Woodland Country Manor. It, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's a, it's a nursing facility, nursing home on Somerville Road. And, and years ago, it was rather small. Uh, they since have added on and, and made it larger, but it was rather small, and everybody kind of knew each other. And I was introduced to a man named Orville Flora. Orville Flora was a bus driver in Camden, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, for many years. His son was named Gordon, and Gordon at one time was the mayor of Camden. So he wanted me to meet his dad, and he said, come over here, Brother Greg, this is, this is my dad, Orville Flora, and he's 104 years old. And he said, Dad, this preacher's from Camden. And he goes, where? And he said, Camden. Where? He goes, this is the preacher in Camden. And here's what he said, oh, Camden, that's my kind of town. Well, this morning, I want to speak to you on the kind of town that Jesus chose to be the birthplace of the Lord of creation. Amen? The Bible tells us in Micah that it would be Bethlehem, little insignificant Bethlehem. And this morning, I, here's what I want us to take with us. When you leave this place, I want you to take with you that there are no insignificant people and there are no insignificant places. God has a plan, and he wants to use you for his glory in his plan. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we have your word today to turn to and my prayer is that we would be reminded that Christmas isn't canceled that we have the promise Lord that we can celebrate your birth one more time as we gather together this season we thank you for the hope that you bring in Jesus name we pray amen we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 but give, let me give you just a little bit of a review okay last week we were reminded that silence, uncertainty, impossibility, and even procrastination could not cancel God's redemptive plan. You see, Christmas is about God coming, knowing that Calvary would be where he would pay for your sin and my sin. Amen? And, and here's the good news this morning. There's nothing you've ever done in your life you ever done any bad things don't raise your hand and shout it out Have you ever done anything you wish you would not have done if you have say amen amen there's nothing you've ever done bad enough to keep you out of heaven when you give your life to Christ and there's nothing you've ever done good enough to get you to heaven so God's redemptive plan is about Christ uh, Christ coming God taking on the form of a baby, a man, human flesh, 
so that we could understand the love of God. And I praise the Lord, folks, that Jesus is not just a baby that remains in a manger around Christmas time, but that he willingly went to a cross and paid a debt for us we could never pay ourselves. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, or if you're watching, say amen. Because we're reminded of how much God loves us. So here we are, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, I'm, I, let, let me read 8 and 9 and, and then I'll jump back up to 1, okay? And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The hope, the message of Christmas. Where did it begin? Verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, his engaged wife, his, his legally binding engaged wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Recently, a 24-hour news anchor suggested that everybody needs to cancel Christmas. Folks, the one calling for Christmas is calling for celebration, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll not miss Christmas if you worship Jesus this year. You'll not miss Christmas if you celebrate the fact the Savior has come. Amen? So let's look at the story a little bit. Joseph is taking his family to Bethlehem for what many believe to be a census and a conscription. What's that? In essence, the Romans were looking for a count of people and who they could tax and they were also looking for a group of people who they could perhaps pull into military service that first Christmas uh, may have had some thoughts like many of you have had in 2020 yeah I believe this might be the the quote of or the question of 2020 you ready get ready to write it down are you kidding me are you kidding me could it, could, could it go any worse? Could it get any worse? For, for many, that's the way the year has gone. What more could happen? And for some of you sitting here today or, or for some that are watching, uh, it's not just been in our church that's affected, but it's been your family or extended family. Some of our church family have lost loved ones. Some continue to battle health issues. Some have complications. Some have lost jobs. Some are wondering how their job's even going to continue. Some are wondering how to get child care taken care of at home while you somehow get to work while school's not meeting in person. It's about survival. 
And God says, my kind of town is a place like Bethlehem. Now, now years ago, uh, in going to Bethlehem on the Holy Land trip, it, it was one of the highlights. I remember buying some olive wood uh, gifts at, at that place, and uh, we got to uh, the, the, the Church of the Nativity. And keep in mind, in the Holy Land, the hardest thing to get over is in every sacred site, there's a Catholic church built over it. So when we got there, uh, there's something unique about going into the Church of the Nativity. You have to lower yourself and kind of step through a low door. Listen to me. If you want to go to heaven, you better recognize who you are. If you want to go to heaven, you better realize that there's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who willingly went to a cross so that you could go to heaven. He paid the debt so that we could go to heaven. Amen? And the Bible says when we receive that gift, the gift of God, heaven will be your home. But I remember stooping down and going in, and then there was all this elaborate uh, worship uh, uh, icons and, and, you know, kind of stuff that's foreign to us. But we made our way over to an area called the Grotto and went down 14 steps. And when you went down those 14 steps, it was there. I began to hear people wailing and crying. And our guide said, this is the place, the area we believe the Lord Jesus was born. And there were some people laying on the ground just kissing that area. Folks, listen to me. God chose Bethlehem because he sees something unique in everything he does. And you might be here today and you're saying, you know what, Greg? I'm just a normal guy in a normal town just trying to live a normal life. Well, Jesus went to the cross for more than a normal life. He went to the cross so that you could have hope in this world in which we live. So here's the first thing I want us to consider this morning. Mary and Joseph are going to the city of David, Bethlehem, not at their will, but at God's promise and at the request of Rome. I want you to understand something. Most would say Bethlehem, Nazareth to Bethlehem was somewhere under 100 miles. They weren't transporting an expectant mother in a very nice minivan on a straight interstate to the closest hospital. Joseph was delivering a very pregnant Mary, carrying the Son of God, bringing hope to the world, and he was doing it, and it was difficult. Here's the first thing I want you to understand. Meeting everyone's expectations will make Christmas difficult. Meeting everyone's expectations will make Christmas difficult. What are you talking about, Greg? Well, if we're not careful, the joy will become a job. If we're not careful, we will hurt instead of help. If we're not careful, instead of love at Christmas, it will seem like labor and it will seem like duty. Now, I like to go, I, I, I am honored to be uh, known as your pastor. I, I thank the Lord for the honor to be your pastor. But I also hope that I would be a young couple with kids, best friend in our church. Because now as a papaw, we get it. I understand it. 
that, that you have your lives and, and, and you have your time together and all those kind of things. And, and sometimes for a grandparent, it can get difficult. Help me out, grandparents. Somebody say amen. It can get difficult because we get possessive. Listen to me. Meeting everyone's expectations will make Christmas difficult, especially if you're from a blended family because that, that even... Uh, that even widens everything and, and obligations and things like that. Be careful. Be careful. Be on guard. Because the older we get, the more selfish we can become with our families. We try to manage our kids' lives. And before long, we try to manage our grandkids' lives. And I'm telling you, that's a recipe for driving your family away. So I'm going to ask you to make a commitment with me right now this Christmas. If you're ready, say amen. I don't think you're ready. If, if you're ready, say amen. You don't even know what I'm going to ask. Okay, go with me. I'm going to make a commitment this year, and when I say it, I want you to repeat it after me. I'm going to make a commitment this year. Listen to me. Everybody watching in your living room or sitting right here, I'm going to make a commitment this year to extend more grace than growling. So say more grace than growling. I'm going to make a commitment this year to extend more hope than hurt. I'm going to make a commitment this year to, uh, to care more than to criticize. More care than criticism. More encouragement than expectation. Oh, don't die out on me. More prayer and less pressure. More assistance and less accusation. More delight than duty. More real time than FaceTime. Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. We're living in a day where if we are not careful, we're going to try to meet everybody's expectations, and we'll get to December 26th and say something like this. Man, I'm glad it's over. Doesn't the church look beautiful today? Man, Keisha and Marcia, Kathy Chestnut, did the kids help? I know they helped because we carried stuff in. But man, what a great job. And, and I walked in here. I, I'm going to tell you what I did. None of you were here. I wasn't in my pastor mode. I think I had on jeans and flannel shirt, the way I really want to live. I'm on the edge right now. I'm on the edge. But I walked in here. And you know what I sang? I didn't sing, oh, come, all you faithful, or joy to the world, or silent night. You know what I sang? Sleigh bells ring. <laughs> Man, I just cut into Christmas spirit because of the way things looked. And some of you need to take a good look at your lives because you're on the verge of doing it again where meeting everyone's expectation is going to make it extra hard on you. And my prayer is that God would use us. Amen? You see, when you try to meet everyone's expectation, there's a price you have to pay to do that. And I'm grateful for the opportunity, and that's exactly what Joseph was doing. He was meeting the expectation of Rome, and he's transporting the one he loved. Uh, let's, let's put this in perspective. A hundred miles... Columbus from here a little less than Indianapolis that's how far the Lord Jesus and it was not on uh, 
travel-friendly turf. It was make your way through the rocky hillsides on the way, uh, on the way south, recognizing that God had a plan. So first of all, meeting everyone's expectations can make Christmas extremely hard. But in those expectations in Scripture, God was using a little place called Bethlehem to accomplish his task, the birthplace of Christ. The birthplace of Christ. The Bible says in verses 3 through 5, they all went to be registered, everyone to his own city, and Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, which is Judea, to the city of David, in the line of David, the birthplace of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He was going home. You know, I always used, used to bother me when I would hear somebody I work with act like they did not look forward to going home. My prayer is for all of you here today that home would be where you want to go. That home would be where you want to go. Uh, n- number two in your outline. Hopefully home is where you desire to be. Now, we sing songs, don't we, at Christmas, like, I'll be home for Christmas. Think about those that are serving our country and the armed forces that would love to be with their families that will not. Think about those missionaries that are serving in harm's way. They would love to be home, but they're not. In a few weeks, we're going to take up what we call the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's one way that we help support the work of Southern Baptists uh, all over the world. And we're going to come together in a victory march, and our goal is a little over $6,000, and and we'll say, boy, Brother Greg, how are we going to do that? We're going to give sacrificially and just ask God to help us. Because my prayer is, in this crazy time in the life of churches getting together, that this would not be a time where churches step back, but in essence where we would step forward and continue to support the work of taking the gospel to the nations. Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. It was the chosen place for the Savior to be born. It's the place where the bread of life would come to earth, Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 33, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus came to give life. Amen, folks. He came to give life. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You see, the things of this world don't last. I, I had to come clean with Renee yesterday. I went home one day this, this week after work, and she had bought this box of fiddle-faddle. You guys know what that is? caramel popcorn family size and I opened up that box this week when she went home before I got home and I was hungry boy that first it was so good and I thought in my mind I began to plot Jordan I said I'm gonna just I'm gonna eat half the box that was Wednesday Thursday I finished the box and I even realized she's gonna catch me and she's gonna say what have you done so even when I put it in a trash can, I put it down low where she couldn't see it. And, and I said something, uh, 
you know that fiddle faddle you had? I ate it. And she goes, I know. And I said, how'd you know? She said, from the popcorn in your chair. <laughs> Folks, listen to me this morning. The things that we like on earth are temporary satisfying. Are they not? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And, and, and if you take me, I'll quench a hunger and thirst that you've had your entire life and it's coming from your spirit. And I'll take care of that. He says, he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. John 6, 48, I am the bread of life. John 6, 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. Now, if you're glad this morning, Gary, if you're glad this morning that Jesus has come for us, say amen. That's our hope. That's our hope. And prayerfully and hopefully, home is where you want to be. Hey, you young married couples, my prayer is that at the end of the day, you can't wait to get home. Amen? Listen to me, guys. Not just so your wife can serve you, but so you can serve her too. That we recognize this is where we hang our hat. Home is where you go when people have to love you regardless. Unconditionally. And I praise God for that. Number three, that's what families do. That's what families do. And that's what Mary and Joseph had to do in Scripture. Number three, families stick together in tough times. Amen? For Joseph, it would be a journey. His job would be to protect Mary and the Christ child. He did it out of a labor of love. He did it because he knew God had a plan. Was there fear? Obviously, there had to be fear. Was there fear of the unknown? Obviously, there was fear of the unknown. Was there fear of what was going to happen? The Bible says there was no room for them in the inn. When they got there, it was full, no vacancy. But God had a plan, and that plan consisted of a manger, a manger. God would do it as simple as possible, a manger. No, no nurses and doctors to check on you and no machines to hook up to see how the labor and contractions are going. What do they call the, maybe a doctor or a lady that helps sometimes? A midwife, no midwife to help. I remember when Renee had Drew, her firstborn, and you realize when you have that first baby, you don't know anything. And the nurse was there with us all morning, and, and, and it got around 3 o'clock, and the nurse said, well, I'm going to go home for the night. And I said, what? What do you mean go home? You can't go home. We're in this together. you got to hold my hand. you got to hold our hand through the rest. And, and she passed the baton on to the next girl and that's that's the way it was none of that for Mary and Joseph just trusting God that he would have a plan you see families stick together in tough times I wonder about their conversation on that long journey are we almost there how much farther Joseph I don't know if I can take it another step and then to get there and realize the pressure of not having a place and many believe that the inn that we're looking at in Scripture, don't, don't picture a motel. Perhaps more like a home that had rooms. 
and full. We don't have any room. But we do have something outside. It's covered and protected. That's all we have. You see, that was a tough time for this young couple. And I want to tell you something. As a family, you have to stick together in tough times. I've seen families draw closer together when they lose a loved one. And I've seen families completely fall apart when something like that happens. Tears them apart. You see, families are there for each other in the good and for each other in the bad. And we're all on a journey. And the good news is, when you think about the Christmas story, the journey here leads to joy. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Families celebrate together. Families weep together. It was a hot summer day in South Florida, and the little boy decided to go swimming in an old pond behind the house. You can picture him as he's running to the pond, just throwing his shirt and his shoes and his socks, and he jumps in, flies into the water, not realizing that something is about to happen. And what was happening would be life-threatening because an alligator began to swim toward him. The mother was in the house. She looked outside to see if he was okay, and lo and behold, she saw what was happening. The two were getting closer and closer. So in utter fear, she runs out the door, yelling to her son as loudly as she can, and upon hearing her voice, the little boy becomes alarmed and scared and begins to make a U-turn to swim to his mother. But it was too late. Just as he reached the dock, just as he reached her, the alligator reached him. And from the dock, the mother grabbed his arms and was pulling as hard as she could, and the alligator from the water was pulling his legs as hard as it could. Can you imagine the strength that the mother was encountering? The alligator was much stronger, we know that, but the mother had more passion, more passion. The farmer uh, who was driving by heard the screams, turned his truck around and drove it right down to the pond, took his rifle out and shot the alligator. And remarkably, after weeks of being in the hospital, the little boy survived. Well, the news got a hold of it. And they sent a reporter to talk to him about the trauma. And unlike any other uh, person who survived something like this, they wanted to see the scars. So the little boy lifted up his pants leg and there he showed them the scars from the alligator. But something else was causing him to have some pride because he said to the reporter, but look at my arms. I have great scars on my arms too because I had a mom who wouldn't let go. The scars from her fingernails and trying to save her son. Folks, families stick together in tough times. Amen? I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying it's not heartbreaking, but I pray that we would be the prodigal father looking out over the field, and if we see our wayward kids coming back, the first response we would have is, praise the Lord, they're home. Because home's where you want to be. And, homes, and home is where God loves you. Families stick together in tough times. These were tough times. The Bible says there were swaddling cloths. What, what's that? 
just cut pieces of material, a simple blanket. And, and, and it's a picture, I, I believe, of, of, of a newborn baby. You know, they, they say wrap your baby and, and it, it keeps their arms. I don't know if it's a picture of the womb or what for a child, but there's some comfort in that. And it soothes them. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you recognize it's the Word of God that you will find comfort in. The promises of God you can cling to when the darkness of the world is so overwhelming you don't know what to do. The manger was simply a feeding trough, not, not a bassinet that we go and look at and pick out for our kids. There was no registry, no showers, just worship was all the Christ child desired. Come and worship me. Number four. The Bible says the city of David, Bethlehem. Number four. There are no insignificant places and there are no insignificant people in God's eyes. Make sure you understand that the next time you walk by somebody and judge them without knowing them. Make sure that you understand that the next time you make a comment on somebody's situation that you don't know anything about. You see, it's interesting that God came for us. He came for me. He came for a nobody. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, I'm a pretty good person. Well, pretty good doesn't get you to heaven. Perfect does. And we're in trouble without Jesus. But the good news is he is perfection. Amen? And he paid for it so that we could be forever saved. There are no little people. There are no little places. When we leave here today, we'll all go different directions home. And we'll see neighbors and we'll see people going in all sorts of, of directions. But the good news is Jesus came for all of us. And that's the story of Christmas. You can't cancel that. You can't cancel the love of God. But you can be thankful for the town in which he's placed you. Instead of looking for the worst and everything, let's start looking for the good. Let's praise the Lord for what he's done because there are no insignificant people and places. Let's close with this. Matthew chapter 25. Just flip back a few uh, books, back through Mark, and then you'll see Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said this, verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. There are no insignificance. There are no people in our life that you write off. Only by the grace of God, only by the grace of God are we here this morning. Amen? And we praise him for it. You see? He chose the least of all places, Bethlehem. He chose the least of all people, this little obscure girl named Mary, this young woman to be the mother of the Christ child. He chooses a carpenter, Joseph, to be the earthly dad of Jesus. 
He chose the least in society to be, to be the first witnesses, the shepherds. And this Christmas, he, call, he still calls on us to be the life changer and to be the answer and to be the bread of life that people are looking for and people are searching for, for the glory of God. Amen? I want you to bow your heads, if you will. You might be here today and you're saying, you know what, Greg, I don't even know what my purpose is in life. I'm still trying to figure it out. Well, here's the good news. Your purpose is to glorify God with your life. And the first way that begins is in a relationship with Him. So if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ and, and God is calling you, I want to encourage you right where you sit in the quietness of your heart to just invite Him. Dear Lord Jesus, I realize, Lord, I'm lost. And I'm asking you right now to please come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. I believe the Bible. I believe you died for me, that they buried you, and that you rose from the grave. And by faith, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. Thank you for loving me. You might be here today and you're a Christian. And, and, and God's just got you at a point where you're ready to take the next step. What do you mean? Maybe you've given your heart to Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. I want to encourage you to come and say, Brother Greg, I need to be baptized. Don't be scared of it. We'll take care of you. Let it be a testimony. I can assure you there are people in this room and people watching that, that would be encouraged by, by your act of faith. Maybe you're here today and you just want to come and pray. You're always welcome to do that. You feel free. But we give an invitation as an opportunity to respond. Okay? So if there's any decision you have this morning, we're going to invite you. Let's all stand together. Let's lift our voices together and sing this beautiful, beautiful praise to the Lord. If you need to come this morning, I'll meet you right here. Okay? Let's sing. Sing it. Sing it. Most of you know that. Bow your head. Sing it as a prayer to the Lord. God's people said, amen. God bless you this morning for being here. God bless you for being faithful. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, this is not going to last forever, okay? This is not going to last forever. We'll use 2020 as we talk about history and as we talk about the days past 
and how God brought us through it. So hang in there, okay? I want to answer a question that some of you may have. Are we going to have our normal Christmas Eve service as we've always known it? And the answer is no. What we're going to do is on December 20th, on Sunday night, December 20th, we're going to have communion, carols, and candlelight. And we're not announcing it to, uh, I'm not putting it out there as a blanket invitation for everybody uh, in Preble County to come and be our guest as we normally would. It'll be a more intimate setting, but we'll have the Lord's Supper, and it'll be just a special time uh, as a church coming together and celebrating Christ. So keep that in mind. That'll be on the 20th. There will not be a um, community meal in December. I believe John uh, John's made that decision, so uh, know that. And also, I get to do something to you all that I forgot at 8.30. Today is Bread Sunday. And if you'd like to give $1, it, uh, you'll see the bread that goes directly to our pantry. Let me give you a picture of how this is used. Renee and I went for uh, Roy and Kathy this week to restock. So we got a picture of what they do. We spent $288 at Aldi's and uh, just loaded it up for the December because we'll be helping a lot of families. So uh, we've, we've received help from a number of folks to help folks this Christmas. So we're grateful for that opportunity. Amen? So thank you for that little ministry such as Bread Sunday. That's where it goes. So, And Roy said we're in great shape. So whatever the Lord wants to do. All right? You glad you're here this morning? Amen? Uh, it's been a big week in the life of our family. Our son Drew, Clint, got his first deer ever this week. And uh, I wish I'd have had a camera because he was pulling it out and it got dark. And I just wish I was a fly on the wall that could have watched that whole thing unfold. But that happened this week, so all of you hunters know what I'm talking about. So it's a, kind of a big deal, all right? Okay, let's bow our heads. I'm going to ask Brother Bill Powell if he'll close us in prayer.